Volume Five, Chapter Four of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Barony. Cecilia, Memoirs of an Heiress by Francis Burney, Volume Five, Chapter Four. A Detection. A fortnight had now elapsed in which Cecilia had had no sort of communication with the Delviles, whom equally from pride and from prudence she forbore to seek for herself. When one morning, while she was sitting with Miss Belfield, her maid told her that young Mr. Delvile was in the drawing-room, and begged the honour of seeing her for a few moments. Cecilia, though she started and changed colour with surprise at this message, was unconscious she did either from the yet greater surprise she received by the behaviour of Miss Belfield, who, hastily arising, exclaimed, "'Good God! Mr. Delvile! Do you know Mr. Delvile, madam? Does Mr. Delvile visit at this house?' "'Sometimes, not often,' answered Cecilia. "'But why?' "'I don't know. Nothing, madam. I only asked by accident, I believe. But it's very—it's extremely—' I did not know." And colouring violently, she again sat down. An apprehension the most painful now took possession of Cecilia, and absorbed in thought, she continued for some minutes silent and immovable. From this state she was awakened by her maid, who asked if she chose to have her gloves. Cecilia, taking them from her without speaking, left the room and not daring to stop for inquiry or consideration, hastened down the stairs. But when she entered the apartment, where young Delvile was waiting for her, all utterance seemed denied her, and she curtsied without saying a word. Struck with the look and uncommon manner of her entrance, he became in a moment as much disturbed as herself, pouring forth a thousand unnecessary and embarrassed apologies for his visit and so totally forgetting even the reason why he made it, that he had taken his leave and was departing before he recollected it. He then turned back, forcing a laugh at his own absence of mind, and told her he had only called to acquaint her that the commands with which she had honoured him were now obeyed, and he hoped to her satisfaction. Cecilia, who knew not she had ever given him any, waited his further explanation, and he then informed her he had that very morning introduced Mr. Belfield to the Earl of Vanelt, who had already heard him very advantageously spoken of by some gentlemen to whom he had been known at the university, and who was so much pleased with him upon this first interview, that he meant, after a few inquiries, which could not but turn out to his credit, to commit his eldest son to his trust in making the tour of Europe. Cecilia thanked him for her share in the trouble he had taken in this transaction, and then asked if Mrs. Delvile continued well. "'Yes,' answered he, with a smile half-reproachful. "'As well as one who, having ever hoped your favour, can easily be after finding that hope disappointed. But as much as she has taught her son, there is one lesson she might perhaps learn from him to fly, not seek, those dangerous indulgences, of which the deprivation is the loss of peace. He then bowed, and made his exit. This unexpected reproof, 
and the yet more unexpected compliment that accompanied it, in both which more seemed meant than met the ear, increased the perturbation into which Cecilia had already been thrown. It occurred to her that under the sanction of his mother's name he had taken an opportunity of making an apology for his own conduct. Yet why avoiding her society, if to that he alluded, should be flying a dangerous indulgence, she could not understand, since he had so little reason to fear any repulse in continuing to seek it. Sorry, however, for the abrupt manner in which she had left Miss Belfield, she lost not a moment in hastening back to her, but when she came into the room, she found her employed in looking out of the window, her eye following some object with such earnestness of attention that she perceived not her return. Cecilia, who could not doubt the motive of her curiosity, had no great difficulty in forbearing to offer her any interruption. She drew her head back in a few minutes, and casting it upwards, with her hands clasped, softly whispered, Heaven ever shield and bless him, and, oh, may he never feel such pain as I do. She then again looked out, but soon drawing herself in, said, in the same soft accents, Oh, why art thou gone, sweetest and noblest of men? Why might I not see thee longer, when under heaven there is no other blessing I wish for? A sigh, which at these words escaped Cecilia, made her start and turn towards the door. The deepest blushes overspread the cheeks of both as their eyes met each other, and while Miss Belfield trembled in every limb at the discovery she had made, Cecilia herself was hardly able to stand. A painful and most embarrassed silence succeeded, which was only broken by Miss Belfield's bursting into tears. Cecilia, extremely moved, forgot for a moment her own interest in what was passing, and, tenderly approaching, embraced her with the utmost kindness. But still she spoke not, fearing to make an inquiry, from dreading to hear any explanation. Miss Belfield, soothed by her softness, clung about her, and hiding her face in her arms, sobbed out, "'Ah, madam, who ought to be unhappy if befriended by you?' If I could help it, I would love nobody else in almost the whole world. But you must let me leave you now, and to-morrow I will tell you everything." Cecilia, who had no wish for making any opposition, embraced her again, and suffered her quietly to depart. Her own mind was now in a state of the utmost confusion. The rectitude of her heart and the soundness of her judgment had hitherto guarded her both from error and blame and except during her recent suspense, had preserved her tranquillity inviolate. But her commerce with the world had been small and confined, and her actions had had little reference but to herself. The case was now altered, and she was suddenly, in a conjecture of all others the most delicate, that of accidentally discovering a rival in a favourite friend. The fondness she had conceived for Miss Belfield, and the sincerity of her intentions, as well as promises to serve her, made the detection of this secret peculiarly cruel. She had lately felt no pleasure but in her society, and looked forward to much future comfort from the continuance of her regard, and from their constantly living together. But now this was no longer even to be desired, 
since the utter annihilation of the wishes of both, by young Delvile's being disposed of to a third person, could alone render eligible their dwelling under the same roof. Her pity, however, for Miss Belfield was almost wholly unallayed by jealousy. She harboured not any suspicion that she was loved by young Delvile, whose aspiring spirit led her infinitely more to fear some higher rival than to believe he bestowed even a thought upon the poor Henrietta. But still she wished with the utmost ardour to know the length of their acquaintance, how often they had met, when they had conversed, what notice he had taken of her, and how so dangerous a preference had invaded her heart. But though this curiosity was both natural and powerful, her principal concern was the arrangement of her own conduct. The next day Miss Belfield was to tell her everything by a voluntary promise, but she doubted if she had any right to accept such a confidence. Miss Belfield, she was sure, knew not she was interested in the tale, since she had not even imagined that Delvile was known to her. She might hope, therefore, not only for advice, but assistance, and fancy that while she reposed her secret in the bosom of a friend, she secured herself her best offices and best wishes for ever. Would she obtain them? No. The most romantic generosity would revolt from such a demand. For however precarious was her own chance with young Delvile, Miss Belfield she was sure could not have any. Neither her birth nor education fitted her for his rank in life, and even were both unexceptionable, the smallness of her fortune, as Mr. Monckton had instructed her, would be an obstacle insurmountable. Would it not be a kind of treachery, to gather from her everything, yet aid her in nothing, to take advantage of her unsuspicious openness, in order to learn all that related to one whom she yet hoped would belong ultimately to herself, and gratify an interested curiosity at the expense of a candour not more simple than amiable? No, cried Cecilia, arts that I could never forgive, I never will practice. This sweet but unhappy girl shall tell me nothing. Betrayed already by the tenderness of her own heart, she shall at least suffer no further from any duplicity in mine. If indeed Mr. Delvile, as I suspect, is engaged elsewhere, I will make this gentle Henrietta the object of my future solicitude. The sympathy of our situations will not then divide but unite us, and I will take her to my bosom hear all her sorrows, and calm her troubled spirit by participating in her sensibility. But if, on the contrary, this mystery ends more happily for myself, if Mr. Delvile has now no other engagement, and hereafter clears his conduct to my satisfaction, I will not be accessory to loading her future recollection with the shame of a confidence she then cannot but repent nor with an injury to her delicacy that may wound it for ever. She determined, therefore, carefully to avoid the subject for the present, since she could offer no advice for which she might not hereafter be suspected of selfish motives, but yet, from a real regard to the tender-hearted girl, to give all the tacit discouragement that was in her power to a passion which she firmly believed would be productive of nothing but misery. Once. From the frankness natural to her disposition, she thought not merely of receiving but returning her confidence. Her better judgment, however, soon led her from so hazardous a plan, which could only have exposed them both to a romantic humiliation, by which, in the end, 
their mutual expectations might prove sources of mutual distrust. When Miss Belfield, therefore, the next morning, her air unusually timid, and her whole face covered with blushes, made her visit, Cecilia, not seeming to notice her confusion, told her she was very sorry she was obliged to go out herself, and contrived, under various pretenses, to keep her maid in the room. Miss Belfield, supposing this to be accidental, rejoiced in her imaginary reprieve, and soon recovered her usual cheerfulness, and Cecilia, who really meant to call upon Mrs. Delvile, borrowed Mrs. Harrel's carriage, and set down her artless young friend at her new lodgings in Portland Street, before she proceeded to St. James's Square, talking the whole time upon matters of utter indifference. End of chapter 4 Recorded by Barony